Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is yet another Tim May podcast. Jeremy Birmingham, they keep putting me on the air. What's going on, man? I mean, wh- why do you? How can you explain that? What's the phenomenon involved? You know, Tim, uh, you've brought it up to a number of guests in the last few weeks. So when do you know it's time to hang them up? And uh, apparently, yeah. apparently, I, I don't know if you're asking them all that because you're trying to figure it out yourself. Or I uh, am. Be, I'm always be, looking for the meaning of life, man. Go ahead. But uh, yeah, I mean, hey, as long as you keep providing uh, tasty morsels of info, people are going to keep wanting more. Yeah, it's more of like, you know, this is more of a discussion. I mean, some people get all wrapped up sometimes when I talk a little bit longer than uh, they think I should. But I I remind them it is the Tim May podcast, you know, not the, hey, let's all listen. Uh, You know, and by the way, you know, every time I have guys like you and Spencer and, uh, of course, awesome Austin Ward on. Uh, you know, y'all all have nicknames. Every time I think of somebody, I try to give them a nickname. And, you know, so far what I've come up for you is uh, is Ron Jeremy Shap, Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, wow. that's kind of a triple triple header there, but that's a pretty good nickname when you think about it, isn't it? I mean, it kind I mean, of covers it, all it would, the bases, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it'd also be a pretty crazy uh, Wheel of Fortune puzzle for the before and after uh, category. So, uh, yeah. I mean, why not? But you yeah. know what, Tim, as someone who always gets accused of talking too much myself, I I completely understand. And I tell people, uh, you're watching my show. So yeah. I should be the one talking. Yeah, exactly. Who are you going to talk to? The uh, You know, I'm going to talk to my grandson's picture back here, you know, uh, who I would like to, you know, Owen Timothy May, named after me. And uh, I don't know who Owen is, but that's what I call him because I don't want anybody calling him Tim. But I digress. Bottom line is, uh, it's another Tim May podcast, and my special guest for the day, by the way, is going to be Duran Grant, you know, who was a cornerback on that 2014 Ohio State National Championship team, one of several cornerbacks who ended up uh, getting drafted in the NFL, some of them still uh, playing, uh, and it's what what it, uh, you and I are going to touch on after after I'm done with Duran, uh, 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 Jeremy, but uh, bottom line is, boy, you look back on that 2014 and 2015 roster. Man, what just a what just an all-star group, right? That team was so unbelievably deep and talented. And the thing that was really interesting about it, Tim, was just how young they were. I mean, that team, yeah. if you you obviously go back into the 60s and you look at the super sophomores of of, of the Rex Kern era, and you see it, I mean, that that entire national championship run was pretty much built on the back of the sophomore class and yes. um, the, that 2013 group that really changed the future of Ohio State football. That's what I wanted. That's why I wanted to have you on this week because uh, you know you can give some insight into that. Just this, um, in my opinion, continuing elevator rise, you know, by Ohio State uh, football in terms of recruiting, which is you know what it's all about. And uh, you know, but first I wanted to talk with Duran Grant because uh, you know he's back in town in Columbus and heading up a group that helps put uh, aspiring college football players, meaning high school players of uh, you know youngsters growing up, in front of First, gives them helps them uh, attain the skills that maybe will help them show out, and then helps them maybe get in front of a few scouts here and there, uh, which will further their career. And you know, uh, the guys who are looking for football talent never are always changing their ways, aren't they, Jeremy? They're always looking for a way to find that hidden gem. They are, and it's really not even so much uh, about looking for ways to find them. It's about having a place for those kids to get seen. And uh, especially right now in the world we're living in with COVID, I mean, all these kids around the country are are desperate for any sort of opportunity to be noticed because the football season is not a guarantee anywhere. I mean, you got states around the country that are just starting up right now, some that are still holding off like California. 
So a lot of these kids, these sort of uh, camps, these sort of combine situations like uh, like Doran is doing with the raw talent group, uh, that's a group that started in Northeast Ohio uh, about a decade plus ago. And now he's obviously taken that into to work it in Central Ohio. And, you know, it, it's helpful for kids anywhere to get just exposure, because at this point, that's the one thing you can't get enough of. Absolutely. I agree. You know, we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little more after we come back. But, uh, you know, first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here's my little uh, interview with Duran Grant. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I'm back with Duran Grant, former star at, at The Ohio State University, uh, has pursued an NFL career, a pro football career. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but Duran Grant, uh, welcome to the Tim May Podcast. Yeah, how you doing, Tim? Nice to be pretty here. Good. Pretty good, man. How you doing? That's what everybody wants to know. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh you know, transitioning out of the, the game of football, I'm going on to the other side of becoming an instructor and coach. Gotcha. In other words, the guys that you you used to hate to hear from, guys who were trying to coach you, now you're trying to be one of those guys. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> yeah, something in that something in that realm. Uh, I'm excited to actually get going and teaching these guys in Columbus. I got you, man. Uh, you know, before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, he was part of the 2014 national championship team. Uh, he was one of the many cornerbacks. <laughs> on that roster that it went on to the NFL, got drafted, went on to the NFL to seek fame and fortune and stuff. But as uh, he and I were talking about before we came on the air here, uh, you know, uh, once you're part of a national championship team of any sort, uh, you're part of a brotherhood that will never go away. And that's what you feel like too, right? Granted, that might be oh, yeah. as great an achievement as you ever have in sports. Oh, yeah, seriously. Uh, you just you just go through so much. You accomplish a lot. Um you know, you, you grow, you get older together, you know, going from boyhood to manhood, you know, those special bonds that, you know, continue to last. Like I talk to a few of those guys like every day still. So it's an yeah. uh, amazing thing to be a part of. I was going to say, you know, real quick before we move on, what what stood out about as you look back on it now from seven, almost seven years away, what was it that stood out about that team more than anything else? It kind of brings a smile to your face besides getting hold up a, a, a national championship trophy and, and stuff, but what what just what just still brings a smile to your face about that group of men? I mean, you know, just the continuity. You know, we were just so close. We were a close group. We were a close group. Uh, we did everything together. You know, when it came to you know from studies all the way to you know just off the field, and of course, you know, working out in the off season, and then of course the season. We just do so much together that uh, even Coach Meyer had you know always used to tell us like this is the closest team he's ever been around. Yeah. And, uh, it just makes sense for us to go all the way and win it all because when you when you trust that that guy next to you so much, I mean anything can really happen. What well, what brought that about? Do you think as you look back on it, what why why did that group develop that special bond? Because you know, let's face it, at one point in the season, you guys were one and one. You know, <laughs> you yeah, know, no, yeah. y'all had just lost to Virginia Tech. I mean, and uh, mm-hmm. you had to rebound quickly, et cetera. But what what was it about that group that? It caused y'all to have that kind of bond, you think? Well, I would say, well, one, uh, we we really never won anything to that point. So, like, especially our senior class, the class of, you know, myself, Michael Bennett, uh, Curtis Grant, you know, Devin Smith and others, you know, Evan Spencer, Jeff Hyman. And yep. we, we never won anything. Like, we got there, we were six and seven, our, our, I say rookie, our freshman year. Uh, sophomore year, we we were ineligible due to the uh, the sanctions. Then junior year, we lost the Big Ten title against Michigan State. So, I feel like that year, a lot of the guys on the team really wanted to do something and really wanted to, you know, really express their gratitude to us, and we wanted it bad too. 
Yeah. And yeah. So even when we were one on one at the time after that Virginia Tech loss, um, we we never doubted. We just never doubted each other. We just dug in more and just, you know, went out and worked hard every week. Well, I'll give you a secret. The reason y'all lost that Virginia Tech game is because that's one of the few, one of the three games I ever missed covering Ohio State football back when uh, I was a regular beat writer, dating all the way back to 1984. My son and my my uh, daughter, soon to be daughter in law, figured mm-hmm. out they could get married that night. You know, and uh, I go, well, you know why? Because you know why the church is available. I mean, Ohio State was playing Virginia Tech. I'm surprised anybody <laughs> showed up. I'm talking about at the wedding, but they did. But I digress. Grant, you know, you, you know, uh, I want to get in with you because you know you're you're now the, the the local director. I think it's local director of Raw Talent Sports here in Columbus, uh, up off Dublin right. East Dublin Granville Road. Uh, in North Columbus, and uh, what's just brought you? What's what's been the allure there? Give people a little bit of background of what of what Raw Talent Sports is about, and what what caused you to get involved with it. Yeah, well, Raw Talent Sports is a training program uh, built for speed and uh, speed and agility training, but we spe- we specialize in uh, is a special we, we specialize in uh, you know football football techniques, football craft, football training, and uh, just the the teaching game. No, it's a, it's a true academy. Um, Mark's, Mark Harris is the uh, CEO of it. Um, myself came from that program, uh, started in the eighth grade and developed all the way through the Ohio State, even throughout uh, my professional and college ranks. I was still trained with him. Uh, Denzel Ward is also a guy who came through that same rank. Um, Frank Clark, who just played in the second Super Bowl yesterday out of University of Michigan, was also uh, also came out of Raw Time Sports. And we have Shaq Washington, who was an Ohio coach of the year. Uh, he's in the ring of honor at the University of Cincinnati uh, as a wide receiver. Connor Cook was also another guy out of there from Washington, Jesuit High School, went on to uh, play at Michigan State and did great things there. So uh, it's just a lot of different uh, guys who came out of there uh, throughout the years. And the training program itself is built for the community and it's built to uh, build opportunities for you know players to get exposure from college coaches and to actually get their skills trained up to where they need to be to go to the next level I was and also say, for the uh, more coaches yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was gonna say uh and like you said it's not fly by night it's been around for 16 17 years up in the oh, cleveland yeah. area and now y'all have opened a uh in essence an office you know in the columbus area and uh we also have one in dallas too that just opened. yeah yeah wow you're in some hot spots there by the way uh but uh I mean, you know, it paid off for you to be to be part of that. I'm not trying to do a commercial for this thing, but it obviously has paid dividends for people who've been involved. And uh, that's why I wanted you on. Uh, number one, uh, uh, what was it that you got most out of it, do you think, when you were going through it? Well, when I was going through it, I, I say, again, those relationships. I still hold those relationships with those guys. And, this, you know, a lot of us went to the NFL. And it was just amazing to see that, uh, you know, transpire. But. I would just say the just the investment Mark Harris had in the kids at the community and that alone, you know, you get a different feel because some of these kids don't have father figures and uh, some of these kids don't get, you know, actually that that true that true talk you should get, you know, kind of similar to what Urban Meyer would uh, give to us like in, during those college days. He'll yeah. give you real talk and uh and then he'll show you the he'll show you the product he'll show you the product and then he'll show you the results and he's done it over and over and over again and to me it just really helped me think of uh becoming an athlete a different way it yeah. just it, i've seen a business side very early on. 
in other words, the investment involved, but also uh, it, it it basically laid a path out for you. You follow this path, you will have results, right? I mean, uh, yeah. that's what Urban Myers preached a bunch of times. You know, don't don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've done, and you know what I mean, and move from there. Exactly. Uh, uh, interesting, because I want to get into your your football background. You know, leading up to this, but I want to ask this: uh, What is it about this that piques your interest? Is it just the the working with the the youth football players out there that uh, you feel like you can impart some wisdom on them? Do you get a kick out of just teaching drills? Uh, what is it that just really gets you going? Well, both of those and uh, an opportunity as well. You know, I would definitely like to be a position coach uh, one day to start off and get into the coaching ranks. I think this is a good way to start just to be around kids at that similar age, you know, uh, becoming a college coach or a professional coach. Uh, like I said, I did, I really deal with the high school guys. Yeah. And uh, really just try to, like I said, teach them the game. And what comes with that is it's an opportunity to be just another ro- leadership role in which I, I seem to thrive in over my lifetime from what I can see. And uh, I would just like to continue that and continue to be around a game that I love. Yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, and it's, it's all about no matter who you're dealing with, taking it up a notch, either mentally or physically. Right. I mean, always trying to touch buttons. I mean, urban Meyer, his, in my opinion, his greatest strength is he knows where most, he figures out where most people's buttons are and then pushes them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but he has a way of getting to you yes. one way or the other. Right. I mean, yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll find his ways. And, uh, you know, you try to, you got to try to like figure him out, but, uh, yeah. and then you realize not necessarily just figure him out. You just realize that's his, his, his method to his madness, which is, uh, yeah. like, as he would say, is infallible. So again, no doubt. I don't think he's going to, uh, have a problem getting started down there in Jacksonville. That's what I was going to ask you. That was my next, you, you heard my question coming out of my mouth before I asked it. You've got, uh, that's called precognition. I think, uh, how, what kind of pro coach will he be? I mean, here's what I've been telling everybody. You know, clearly he hates to lose more than anything else. But he's smart enough to know you can go 10 and 6 in the NFL and make the playoffs, you know. <laughs> you know, he's a smart guy. But how do you think he will deal with uh, the occasional loss, if in fact that's the best way of putting it? Uh, do, you, do you sense he will roll with the punches and figure out the way? What, what's your, your sense about him? I think he will. And, uh, you know, he really looked, you know, he looked, he looked at uh, Coach Bill Belichick a lot. Like, he would have quotes of Bill Belichick around the building, and and he said, man, he's a good friend, and that's who he really would like to model his program after is the way the Patriot, is the Patriot way. Yeah. And uh, I can definitely see the similarities. Um, guys who, who's, who I played with in college uh, has also told me uh, when they played for Coach Belichick, it's very similar, very similar, the, the energy, the idea, the – the mental toughness that you have to have to walk in that building every day and continue to compete and c- compete and compete with no with nobody being held to a great higher standard than anybody else. It's just everybody's even killed. And you yeah. have to touch that line. You have to touch it every day. And it's, uh, I think he's going to do a great job. I really, I really do. Regardless if he's in the professional ranks, uh, just his mindset is like you said before, you know, he's a very smart guy. He knows how to communicate to people and, uh, he knows how to get people going. Yeah. He does that. Those Patriot uh, players you have to uh, reach a certain level. Uh, the quarterbacks, man, I think we've seen what level they've got to reach now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. The Patriots yeah. with or without Tom Brady. Wow. Two different uh, two different animals, so to speak. 
Yeah, uh, I don't think nobody really saw that coming like that. But uh, are you amazed, Grant? Are you amazed by, uh, by what? It's the just crazy that he really, he, Go ahead. Yeah, it's just crazy that he got it done. You know, he, he left his first year. He leaves. He goes right back to the Super Bowl, and I'm just like, well, wow, like. You can't say it's not his efforts that's really helping that locker room for one and definitely on the field. But uh yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. Uh you know, you've you prepared for games, et cetera, in the NFL. You've you've known quarterbacks. What what sets him apart in your opinion? Uh I'll just say his mental toughness and buying in. You can you can see it, you can see him buying in. Even from afar, you can see him buying in just as look if you look at his career. Uh, he's always a teammate guy. You know, he's always in with the fellas. He doesn't mind. You know, you, you always see videos of him uh, being around the guys. You always see him uh, dialoguing with the guys either through social media or whatever have you. And you can just tell that he really, really enjoys the process every yeah. single day and every single year of his career. You can just tell. And he's still going. You you personally got drafted uh, by the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, in the fourth round of the, what, 2015? Uh, yep. Yeah. And uh, – <laughs> You bounced around the league a little bit and stuff. Uh, what? Just give people a, like a synopsis of your pro career. What you learned from maybe not being, you know, that mm. superstar like some guys end up being. I mean, just what what'd you get out of it? I guess is what I'm what I'm getting to. What what lessons did you learn? Yeah. Uh, well, I learned that uh, nothing's guaranteed. You know. Yeah. I thought I played pretty well through my time in the league on the spots that I played at and. Uh, especially through the preseason process. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, it just didn't uh, work out for me. Yeah. But uh, even with that, you know, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. You grow a lot. And you start to realize uh, other things. Well, start to realize that, you know, you got to take your life in another, uh, another path. And even with that, I was uh, – it was hard at first. But then, you know, you realize, you know, well, hey, this is life. You got to take – you got to take – you got to roll with the punches and keep moving. So, uh you know, I just hopped right into this this role and I directed Raw Talent Sports and uh, just looking for my next uh, my next chapter, which would be uh, uh, being a coach at high level division one or professionally. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a second. I want to ask you this, though, because you got pardon the expression, but you got cut by a lot of teams where, where you were almost there. You know what I mean? It was like you were talking mm-hmm. about. I mean, good preseasons and stuff like that. What did you learn from those experiences of a guy telling you, you know, well, you know, we're just going to go another direction here, uh, here, there, and the other of just that interpersonal relationship, which is tough. You know, yeah. when you've got to get tell a guy, you're pretty damn good, but you're not. We, you know, for whatever mm-hmm. one reason or another, we're going to go another direction. What did you learn from from your from your side of that? You know, that uh, w- w- can carry you through. Um, like I said before, you know that nothing's guaranteed, and uh, you just have to roll with life how it goes. I mean, just like you said, you know, I played pretty well. Even my last preseason with the Chicago Bears 2018, I was the highest rated uh, defensive guy in, uh, on the defense the whole preseason out of five games. Yeah. And uh, so, but again, you know, you know, things are in place sometimes and some things you just can't help. All you can do is go out. The only thing you can control is the, uh, the way you play and the way you carry yourself. And I think I did that pretty well. And uh, I can live with that. Yeah, you were watching the what in the XFL this past a year ago. Is that mm-hmm. right? The XFL? Yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden your season was over. I mean, what uh what was that like? I mean, you know, and then you signed with Winnipeg of Canadian Football League, and then all of a sudden their season was over. So yeah. what, what, what did that help hasten this decision to kind of or have you been planning this all along to kind of move into a different realm uh in your career? 
No, uh, I, I would definitely say that paced it. That definitely paced it because, you know, uh, that that season XFL ended right right now. So I was like, okay, I understand. I understood the moment, though, with COVID and everything. And then when you signed on to another league and then they shut that down, I'm just like, okay, I'm not getting any younger. No, yeah. I just turned 28. So, and I know how this thing goes. So I just wanted to be prepared to get my give myself a chance to really transition properly. And I think I did that. Hey, uh, you know, I'm not just saying this to blow smoke. Uh, uh, even when you're at Ohio State, there's guys I kind of watch a little bit, the little bit of interaction we have anymore. We used to have a lot more interaction with players, but you you struck me as having that coach's uh, demeanor or mentality about yourself. I mean, when we would have our conversations with you, you know, with the media, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes 20-on-one and stuff. And it, as you look in the mirror, do you see a coach looking back at you, you know, at this moment? Yes, I, I really do. Uh, it's something that, I've, like I said, I've always uh, maintained a, a leadership role, even as a player. Um, even with the coaches, I could tell they took to me. Yeah, even specifically when I got to Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin, he actually pointed that out to me uh, my first month as a really? rookie. Like he said, "Man, I can just see the uh, leadership qualities oozing out of you, and uh, you know, a lot of people are gonna follow you." And yeah. uh, you know. And I kind of got that vibe my whole life, honestly. And uh, so now moving on into this true adulthood and becoming a coach on being on the blackboard side, uh, I'm ready to take on those roles as well. Yeah, I know. But one of the things that struck me, too, is I mean, the guys I'm talking about, like Luke Fickle, for example, I told him that when he was a junior at Ohio State. I thought he had a chance to be a head coach one day. And uh, just because you guys, what separates some of you guys when I see that in you is a detail. You have an attention or an orientation to detail that a lot of other players don't have. Some of them do, but I mean, you notice all the little things, don't you? Yeah, I, I really do, because they matter. They matter, yeah. and you have, you have to pay attention to those to really uh, cultivate, even cultivate situations and uh, cultivate greatness. Um, you ha you have to pay attention to it, and you have to understand and embrace those those guidelines, and uh, and uh, really just go forward and be and just be with the best you can be, and which yeah. for us is a championship ball club. Hey, uh, real quick before we go, who's somebody you're working with right now at uh, Raw Talent Sports that you think uh, is the next up and comer? Who's somebody you wanna you wanna tout? Um, honestly, uh, I have a lot of younger guys who's gonna be good in the future from Dub from the Dublin area. They're eighth graders. Uh, one kid's name is Dave White. He uh, he's really gonna be pretty good right now he's playing running back but who knows what he's going to grow into by the time he's a sophomore which is two years away i think that's yeah. going to be special and also uh i have a uh, actually have a i have a receiver named tyrese taylor from whitehall uh high school whitehall yearling high school <clears throat> excuse me and uh he, he'll be a senior this fall i mean you know he's not the biggest guy but he has he has professional awareness when it comes to being on the field yeah and We're just going to work on his footwork a little bit, but I think he has a chance. I think he has a chance. Like I said, this past weekend, we had an exclusive workout. Um, a few Division II schools were were, were, were there, and they, were, and they were touting and and a lot of recruiting analysts, and they uh, they really took to him. They told me he was the best guy out there, and he performed very real, very, 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 uh, very good. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that process of seeing the coaches really take to him. I'm like, okay, he has a shot. And this is a kid who didn't even think he had a chance, but he has a shot now. Yeah, you know, I was going to come to that thing, but uh, my wife won't let me get out of it. Well, she lets me get out of the house if we need groceries. You know what I'm saying? 
But, uh, <laughs> but that, vaccine, that vaccine's right around the corner for me, big man. And I'm 66. Uh, in fact, it's next Tuesday. But I want to ask you this. That's part of your – one of the payoffs of, of this uh, group you're with, uh, Rock Talent Sports, is that the fact that uh, uh, you get these guys in front of people who can help them get to the next level, right? I mean, uh, yes. help them fulfill their dreams. I mean, that's that's got to be as rewarding as anything else. It really is. It really is just seeing how they're working hard every week every Sunday when we get after it, and then when these opportunities come for the, you know, the exposure, they really perform and uh, they understand the moment. Uh, some things we had to talk to about, you know, I had to talk to them about that they didn't really understand at first, but they got it very quickly, especially when you can put it in front of them and see that this can happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I showed them my rings. I showed them, I showed them highlight videos. Uh, we go over tape. Uh, we, we have weekly conversations and uh, it's because it's important. It's important, especially for a lot of these kids around here, and especially in the cities. It's important that they really see that, and on the, as much as possible. What can a quarterback tell a quarterback? That what kind stick? of what? Well, yeah, what can a cornerback tell a tell quarterback a that? Yeah. I mean, and that's you know, that's not a setup question because I've always believed that sometimes the best observer of how good a guy is across the line of scrimmage is the guy who's defending what that guy's no, doing. No doubt. That's what? it's a true chess match, more so between the yeah. defensive back and the uh, quarterback, for sure. I would say um, you can play with your alignment, uh, but I would say, what could I tell a quarterback is to in what way? Yeah, like no, something to, in other words, to make. Yeah, in other words, uh, uh, you understand. I think you understand from playing your side of the ball how they're trying to attack you. Yeah, after you've been through a game or been through things. I would think that. A quarterback having the idea in his or an idea in his head of how they know how we're trying to attack them. So let's do something, you know, a little bit different. You understand what they're trying to take away from me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that. Like Amari Jenkins, I think you're working with him too, aren't you? The kid. Uh, oh yeah. From yeah. We had Amari, yes, we had Amari yeah. Jenkins uh, in this week. Uh, he just got out of his uh, surgery, so now he was able to come out and uh, he performed very well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's going to he, he just got his Elite 11 uh, regional uh, invite. Wow. Um, he had a pretty good so – he had a 7-2 season last year at Double Sciota, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, have a great uh, season this fall and a great summer, too, in the camp circuit. Yeah. But, I mean, you you can impart to an offensive guy how – your tricks of your trade of how you tried to take away what they wanted to do, like wide receivers, I mm -hmm. would think. That's, that's invaluable. I mean, uh, to know oh, yeah. the guy across from you – <laughs> is trying to make you do or not let you do, right? Oh, yeah. And and honestly, especially what I would say to a quarterback is that watch the feet. Watch the watch the DB's feet. Once you yeah. learn the once you learn the foot techniques and the and the reason why DBs do certain things, you you can pretty much tell what they're gonna do. You know, and it's the good ones, the good ones at defensive back who can hide that and then, you know, jump on plays and next thing you know they're running down the sideline with the ball. So Yeah. Five years from now, you wanna be an assistant coach on the college level, on the professional level? Do you want to be a head coach on the high school level or maybe even the college level? What's what's your what's your aspiration? Well, you know, I aspire to definitely be, you know, starting a position coaching ranks because uh, I really want to get to get to be around the players on that personal level and really, you know, lead us, lead a small group. And then teach. definitely. That, yes, definitely want to be a teacher. Like I said, being on that blackboard and really explaining the game and the way you should go about the game. 
then, you know, obviously progress to a defensive coordinator level or, you know, a special teams uh, coordinator level and, then, you know, then then on to a position, a head coaching uh, ranks. And uh, that's really what I want to do professionally or college. I just like being around those level of guys, that, that type of, that type of atmosphere. And really, I think that's the way you can really push the envelope, especially mentally in this football yeah. game, which we can keep uh, evolution going in this game. Yeah. Being around all the guys. Take guys, take guys that are really pretty good already and take them to another mm-hmm. three or four levels, right? I mean, that's what – Yeah. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it makes you uh, – it just makes you think a little differently and it makes you create a little differently too once you can see the game at optimal speed. You see yeah. the game at optimal speed, you can definitely uh, cultivate different different things to uh, pro- progress the uh, game for uh, in total. Gotcha. I call it <laughs> – I call it try, driving a big time race car, man. You know, you yeah. you don't drive a big time race car around around the house. You drive it out on the track. You know what I mean? Where you can let That's it all right. hang. Out. Hey, That's right. Duran Grant, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast, man. It's been a slice. I really appreciate it. All right, appreciate you for having me. Keep me updated. All right. Yes, sir. Sure will. And we're back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, after that interview with Duran Grant and uh, Jeremy. It's interesting, man, how these guys find these little niches, but uh, you know, to kind of maybe. For one, one of another term, maybe make a little bit of a living, but number two, keep their uh, keep their toes in the football water, right? I mean, it, you know, it's invaluable what some of these young uh, players can still impart on even younger players as they're coming up. Well, it's part of the whole reason that these guys, especially kids from Ohio, choose to go to Ohio State because it's an opportunity to build a, a legacy in the state of Ohio that lasts your entire life. And it's an opportunity to give back. And, you know, I think it's always kind of fascinating to me, Tim, is that all these guys like Duran is from Akron, uh, you know, they, they always come back to Columbus and they make that sort of their home base for whatever business they're running and operation they're going to have moving forward. And I think that's pretty clear why the, the, the value of your name in Columbus, once you leave Ohio state, never, ever declines. As long as yeah. you stay, as long as you stay out of like trouble with the law or whatever, uh, yeah. you're pretty much always going to be welcomed and given opportunities in Columbus. Yeah, and then on top of that, if you're part of a national championship team, you know, triple that, you know, triple the effect, uh, whatever the effect was going to be on you, triple it. And you're right. I mean, that's what's you know, kind of you. I don't kind of unique. That's not even a correct term. It's either unique or it's not. But I think it's unique about Ohio State football is it is this huge metropolitan area. Over two million now, I do believe, and uh, the biggest game in town, without a doubt, is still Ohio State football. Will probably remain that way for quite some time. You know, we'll see if the Blue Jackets win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, how that would might change some things, but uh, I don't think it, it wouldn't change much. Let's let's be real. And I think it's one of the things Ohio State has done really remarkably well in the last ten years. Tim is that they've been able to market the Ohio State program as a very rare uh, opportunity for kids because there are college towns all over America. There are great college towns all over America, yeah. but there are really three or four college cities. And, uh, you know, if you look at the, even if you look out at like USC or UCLA, those are obviously in a huge city, but those cities don't run on college football, Austin, yeah. Texas, Columbus, Ohio, uh, you're very rare to have cities that basically, if you played football there, you are, royalty for the rest of your life yeah it's, it is amazing I, I remember uh uh urban meyer was making a presentation in front of a bunch of people um way back his first year when he showed up at ohio state you know in 2012 and i was there to cover it and he came over to me he goes he, he just wanted to he, re, he wanted to like reinforce he goes tim what is the metro population of this area and i told him then it was like 1.8 1.9 million you know and then he got up and basically made that point that this is 
what makes Ohio State unique. It is, for one of another term, you know, the NFL team in town. And uh, and a lot of these players understand that. And, and like you said, they stay out of trouble, keep their nose clean. They can take advantage of it. And it is stunning, really, how many either make their home base in Ohio after their careers are done or at least have a, a little bit of a, what I call a condo residence, right? <laughs> yeah, they've got tentacles, you know, you find guys, they always find a way to get their hand involved in some business in Columbus, because like I said, yeah. just having your just having your name on on a on a business card that says, hey, I'm Doran Grant, you know, former Ohio State national champion, and this is my football camp, like it changes things. I mean, you look at Anthony Slagle, uh, you know, Letterman Rose, uh, Anthony Slagle, and, and the opportunity yeah. to be a part of something and the difference that he, uh, you know, uh, the, the business, the difference that he created and always finds a way to bring it back to Columbus and Bobby Carpenter, all these guys, they, they, they definitely realize that the value of Ohio state for them. And, and the reason why Ohio state does so well in recruiting is that they've turned that away from being a tool and actually into being, uh, you know, a, a promise. I mean, it's not just a, a, a talking point. It's, it's, it's obvious and verifiable. Yeah. Obviously at lettermanrow.com, we plumbed those depths. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, we've got a lot of great guys that we deal with on a, on a weekly, daily basis, uh, um, you know, you know, like I had Donald Washington on uh, a few a few months ago, and he was very interesting in what he's trying to get, you know, accomplished uh, now in, a, in the next chapter of his life. And but it's right here in Columbus, Ohio, where he's trying to get it done. So you're right. The uh, the parade the parade continues. You know, and speaking of parade, and that's kind of a tough segue, but really, kind of is a parade. Every recruiting <laughs> every recruiting session, it seems like Ohio State has a parade of new possible all-stars rolling into town. This, uh, the 2021 class is no exception, right? And uh, what I wanted to touch on, uh, I was reading a little story by Josh Hemholt of uh, yeah, of arrivals.com uh, about, you know, the fact that uh, the 10th time out of the last 11 years, Ohio State won, won the recruiting battle, at least on, by rivals rankings in the Big Ten. And Jeremy, I see that number one, is no surprise, and I really don't see that stopping anytime soon. Just what's just what's your reaction, your take of that? Because no one probably covers recruiting better than you do, as far as the uh, pertaining to Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any reason for it to change anytime soon. The Buckeyes certainly, you know, there's been opportunities, Tim, for this to fall through the cracks for the Buckeyes in the last two decades. And it's not like the program has avoided every potential pratfall. They've had three different coaches. They've had NCAA scrutiny. They've had, uh, you know, PR issues with the the Urban Myers Smith stuff. I mean, it's not like it, it's a program that's been uh, able to just sort of float along and not have issues. But what, what they've really proven is that the brand of Ohio State is so much bigger and stronger that they're actually able to withstand these things that would have that have killed other programs. I mean, again, I'll go back to Texas. They're on their fourth coach in the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, that program, Ohio State's on their third coach in, in the last 10 years. But the Buckeyes are still a top two or three program in the nation and not in a perpetual rebuild. So uh, it, it a lot of credit is due to Gene Smith, who I know a lot of people uh, turned him into a, you know, a, someone likes to get beat up in, in the media for some reason because of, I guess, because of 2012. Uh, and the misstep there. But other than that, Gene Smith has pretty much uh, handled things glowingly for Ohio State in the last decade. And um, he's he's made uh, the smart moves and the correct move time after time. I agree. I mean, and just, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, the word I would use is guts. It takes guts to, to hire Ryan Day as a successor to Urban Meyer. 
because not a lot of people, you know, what's that old line that, uh, you know, uh, Lou Holt supposedly had, I, don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to be the guy that follows uh, Woody Hayes. I wouldn't be mind being the guy who follows the guy who follows Woody Hayes. Uh, you know, it took Gus to, it took insight and then it took Gus to make that call to, to move Ryan up, Ryan Day up to his first head coaching job running Ohio State after Urban Meyer had built the program into what truly is a national program now, maybe even international when you think about the punters. <laughs> but uh, but the bottom line is, uh, and Ryan Day has shown a propensity to not only keep keep it keeping on, but maybe raise it to another level. And I think uh, his first two recruiting classes, but definitely this class shows that, correct? Yeah, it does. And, and I, I mean, you can even go back to speaking of those guts, look back at the decision to to hand the program over to Luke Fickle as the interim coach in 2011. I mean, that that sort of experience and the way that that year went, you think might have scared someone off from from you know hiring from within and and promoting someone who'd never been a head coach before. But uh, at a place like Ohio State, you you really can't miss. Um, and certainly, Ryan Day was was a, a home run hire by Urban Meyer back in 2017, and then again, and then by Gene Smith. But uh, yeah. you know, as far as Ryan as a recruiter, what makes him really different. And I said this to someone uh, back in 2018, that he reminded me sort of of this perfect little combination of Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer is is a guy that's extremely personable. When you get an opportunity to sit down and talk to him away from football, he's a family guy. You can tell he's got the young, you know, RJ's always around. The kids are always around. Uh, He is, he comes across very, very relatable and normal. Um, And then you do see the ability to flip that switch. And I've always, I believe that every great college football coach has to be a little bit bipolar. Like I think you have to have uh, an on off switch. A lot of guys can't really control that on off switch because it's the game starts to take over who they are. Uh, And it'll be interesting to me to watch really over the next handful of years. If that transition happens for Ryan day, if he starts to lose the ability to turn that switch on and off, or if he, you know, the, the pressure at Ohio State can really drown people. It, it, it can be a suffocating experience. If you look back at the photos of Urban Meyer when he was hired in 2011 or Jim Trussell when he was hired in 2001, compared to how much they aged in that decade after, uh, I think that that's really the, the key for Ryan. As far as the way he interacts with with kids and their families and, and prospects, I mean, it's, it's obvious that he knows what he's doing uh, in that respect. Um you know, and, it, and I think in some way, Ohio State in the 2021 class was really benefited from the fact that they had the opportunity to really build relationships with kids and their families in one-on-one settings where Ryan Day could just sit down and talk to someone like this, because that's where I think uh, he really shines as far as just who he is uh, personally. Yeah. He's extremely relatable. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious as you are to see how this thing, as, as, as time develops uh, Ryan Day into that quintessential head football coach, how, how things will change with him a little bit. You know, you know, it's really funny. You brought up that uh, example of before and after pictures as was going on in my head about the, you know, Jim Trussell and urban Meyer, you know, John Cooper even said that to me, Tim, you told me near the end of his thing, he goes, Tim, you ought to run a picture of me before I took this job. And after I took this job, you know, cause I think when he took the job, he was like 49, you know, and uh, uh, when uh, 48 or 49 and when he was done, he was like uh, 60, what 61, 62. And but it was the same way with Trussell, same way with Urban Meyer. You know, um, I'm now 66. If I showed you a before and after of me at 50 and me at 60, you know, you'd see the same transition because that's when a man really 
all the burdens in life kind of get on his shoulders along with the aging process. But you're exactly right. Uh, I've always found it mar a marvel, like with Joe Paterno back in the day, with Woody Hayes back in the day, how you've had like 26, 28 classes or, or, or teams, how you can even remember people's names. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I call my I call my sons and daughter by the by each other's names all the time, you know, mistaken and stuff. But but you're right. I think Ryan Day has staying power. I think Ryan Day. Everybody keeps wanting to jump the ship with people's careers. This idea that uh, he has the NFL in his in his gun sights, you know, sooner rather than later, and things like that. I don't think that's accurate, and uh, for a lot of reasons. But I think he really, I think he really uh, enjoys being a college head football coach. Don't you get that sense from him too? You do. I mean, and if you can enjoy being a college football coach right now in the way that this last two years, is, I mean, look at the, the things that Ryan Day has had to endure in the time since he's been the head coach at Ohio State. It has been a nonstop just parade of crap that he's had yeah. to, to deal with. And if he can find a way to, to still enjoy it through all this, I think that there's obviously a good uh, reason to think that as as waters settle, that maybe he'll uh, even enjoy it more. But you know, I, I agree. I don't think that he's uh, itching to get back to the NFL. I mean, this is a guy who spent four years in four different places uh, before heading back to the college level. And he's trying to raise young children, as we've already said. And I'm not, I don't want to speak for the guy, but it seems like for right now, as long as his children are in Columbus and young and, and growing up, I think that there's a lot of value in that sort of stability. And I think that's why even I mean, to, to veer off of Ryan Day, talk about someone like Brian Hartline, who, you know, uh, who people want to make you know, he's becoming a rising star in the coaching world. But again, he's got young children and he's at he's in home at home, uh, you know, living in a city that he knows and loves um, in playing and coaching at a place where he played. And and I don't know that there's, you know, the desire to run off and and, and do the vertical, uh, you know, ascension thing every single year for every person. I just don't think that's what how everyone's wired. And I think that's one of the reasons why Ryan Day has chosen to have so many young coaches with young children. Because you do get that sort of stability and that sort of uh, family feel that Ohio State wants. I mean, Austin took a lot of heat on the internet last week when we were talking about the Parker Fleming hire uh, because, you know, the people are comparing it to Alabama. But I think the obvious and, and accurate comparison is Ohio State and Clemson because they're, they're, the vibe that they're trying to put out is significantly different. Uh, Bama is not afraid to be a football factory that is what they want to be known as ohio state may be a football factory certainly are compared to other places around the country but that is not the the vibe they're trying to promote and it's certainly not um what the administrators and school president want them to be they they want to be a world-class institution uh, of academics and 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 want to be the best of both worlds and ohio state's done a great job with that and the best of both worlds i think is why someone like ryan day is such a good fit yeah, but make no mistake, Ryan Day wants to win a national championship without a doubt. That is it. That I don't know if you call it his number one focus. That is the focus of the program is to get to a national championship game again and win it, uh, and maybe sooner rather than later. But you're right, the Parker Fleming hire to me, as I as I explained it when I had uh, Awesome Ward on last week, is you know you you've spent time with this guy. You know whether this guy speaks the language you want him speaking to your players, you know, to recruits, et cetera. I'm talking about Ryan Day with Parker Fleming. He knows this guy. Well, you know, this idea that you've got to, every time there's an opening, you've got to go out and hire, uh, you know, some superstar from, you know, like Alex Grinch from Washington State, 
you know, they brought him in. That didn't work at all in in uh, cahoots with Greg Schiano. That uh, was, in my opinion, that was a failure. I don't know if you agree or not as you look back on it, but that that pairing didn't work because Alex Grinch didn't really get to do the kind of coaching he wanted to do, et cetera. You know, he's now at uh, he's now at Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, chemistry is a huge part of major college football programs anymore. Uh, chemistry uh, and just the ability to get along, you know, and uh, and I think that has a lot to do with what what why ran they uh, elevated Parker Fleming. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not wrong to say that too many cooks in the kitchen ruined the the meal. I mean, that's that's it's you know the thing about old cliches and adages is that generally they're true. Uh, yeah, and that's that's why they exist. Uh, and I think sometimes you need to be careful about how you go out and hire because one uh, bad apple can upset the 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 whole orchard or whatever that adage is. I'm not I'm terrible at colloquially, you know, those things yeah, I think that people looking, say. I think you're looking. I think I think the the thing you were looking there for there might be tree rust or something ruining. Yeah, the orchard. I, I mean, I, I'm not entirely one sure. Ruining I, the back. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really bad at, at uh, all those things. But the yeah. point is, I, I think that it's pretty clear Ohio State's goal and their interest is having guys around in the program that they feel comfortable with. And uh, I, Alex Grinch is obviously a great coach. I mean, he, he didn't yes. become what he became without being good at his job. He's from Ohio. You figure there's all these reasons that that should have worked. But if you have too many people that are on the same level and not reason, you know, you're going to butt heads. And if, even if you go back to Luke Fickle and Everett Withers, I mean, that, that, that 2013 yeah. defense was pretty bad for a reason. And it's not, it's the same reason that that 2018 defense was bad it's because if you have two guys who have very different ideas and they're supposed to be working side by side, uh, but their ideas are completely different and neither one of them is excellent at communicating to the other, why their idea is better. Uh, you just sort of have guys run around without a, a plan. And, and, you know, I've heard you talk about it a number of times and we can talk about it about the 2020 off, uh, defense. There's no reason in the world Ohio State's defense should ever be 122nd in the country against the pass or against the run or against any specific thing. That 2018 defense, and I, I'm not, you know, as uh, senior as you are, but I've watched Ohio State football for 40 years. I've never seen a defense that bad in my life. And then to see one two years later that was uh, equally uh, bad, uh, but for different reasons, um, it, it's pretty shocking. Yeah, you know, we talk about uh, recruiting class rankings. That's how we got into this. But uh, do, you, do they have the personnel on hand, and do they have the you you think the schemers on hand to fix that going into next year, uh, next season, Jeremy? I mean, I think they do. I think that it's pretty clear from watching the way that Ohio State handled the personnel this past season, that there was a desire from Kerry Combs to play the guys that he knew and the guys that he trusted, because that's sort of the way you had to handle 2020 was the, the lack of, uh, you know, training camp, the lack of ability to get to know these young guys. I mean, Kerry came in last January and didn't get a chance to meet any of these kids really. And, and, and got one practice with them or two practices with them in the spring. And, you know, I, I think that there's there clearly is a focus on the recruiting side. There's six defensive backs in the class of 2021. Uh, they signed, uh, you know, Lason Ransom and and uh, Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos and Cameron Martinez and, and uh, Court Williams in the class of 2020. I think getting a guy like Court Williams back is going to be so much more important than people know anything about because they don't know anything about Court Williams. But I, he, yeah. he very likely was going to be the starting safety 
prior to tearing his ACL uh, this preseason. So, you know, you have guys out there that are talented and, and ready to, to step into to the role. And, um, you know, I think that some guys are going to be pushed. I, I, Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson are, are more likely than not going to be early contributors in the secondary. They have better instinct and cornerback skills than pretty much anyone on the current roster, in my opinion. Um, and I, I personally am super high on Jansen Dunn, who's one of the 15 early enrollees in the class of 2021. I think athletically, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Malik Hooker. That sort of just long, rangy, can can really move, uh, explosive athlete. I, he's a guy that having the ability to play corner or safety, they're going to be able to move him around. And I think he's an exciting part of uh, the future as well. Sweet. Hey, uh, what's the chances Ohio State lands? Uh, they're still recruiting at least one fellow for the 2021 class, JT Tuimoloao. How, how close did I come to that? JT Tuimoloao. Here's JT the thing, Tim. I've been, I've been trying to say his name correctly for the last six months. Uh, I just yep. have just decided I'm just going to call him JTT from now on and, and stick there with you that. Go. I like that. I like that. I like that. Uh, uh, where are the Buckeyes chances? I mean, I, I think yeah. it's pretty clear that the kid has decided to hold off on his decision until April for a reason. And the reason for that is that he believes that that's when he's going to get an opportunity to see Ohio state in person. Uh, I don't know how that can be interpreted as a negative. I think that it's pretty clear uh, that Ohio state is a program that he's seriously interested in and wants to visit. Uh, otherwise, he would have made a decision in February. I, I do think that JTT is someone that's actually going to end up changing college football a little bit, aside from the fact that he's going to make his decision in April or even May and then end up on campus a month later. I don't think he's going to sign a letter of intent. I think that he's going to be a kid that sort of changes the way things work. I mean, I, there there's a new era of college football coming and player empowerment. And when you have the number one ranked player in the country, who's going to be able to kind of do whatever he wants to do. Uh, yeah. I, I think that it's going to change. It's going to change the way uh, things go. Dude, big changes are coming all across the board in college football the next couple of years. I mean, name image and likeness is going to change it. The ability to transfer uh, once without a problem is going to be, uh, is going to be a, is going to be a big change. Uh, it, you know, buckle your seat, buckle your seat belts, as I like to say, because, uh, you know, as I, no wonder Urban Meyer went to the NFL instead of college football again to to reapply his coaching uh, acumen, right? No, I mean, I think that was a, pretty obviously a big part of that decision for Urban. It seemed like the itch to get back to coaching was there from the start. Um, but you don't like if you're a guy like him. And that's why I think it's going to be crazy to see how Alabama adjusts over these next few years, because someone like Nick Saban is not wired to to handle all this stuff the way that it's coming. So uh, it'll yeah. be interesting if if Bama is able to stay um as in control of things as they appear to be from a, a media standpoint down there i mean it seems like the media in, in tuscaloosa is pretty easy going with whatever uh, nick saban wants to do they seem to be okay with uh and, and i guess we'll see if that ch changes because there's going to be some weird opportunities for kids uh coming up to to really like you said change change the game yeah exactly hey real quickly before we go i, I, I touched on this during uh during Super Bowl Sunday as I'm watching the game. And uh, in a nutshell, give me two nutshell reasons why uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. and uh, Travis Kelsey did not end up at Ohio State for one reason or another. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. still baffles me. I actually stood and interviewed him and his dad, Antoine Winfield, who pound for pound, I still call the best 
defensive football player I ever covered at Ohio State. I'm talking about pound for pound and inch for inch. You know what I mean? If you look at his video at the Woodlands High School in in Texas, you know, I'm talking about his son, Antoine Winfield Jr. You saw a hell of a football player. And then you also saw a guy who was a little bit bigger than his dad, you know? So I'm trying to figure out for the life of me why he didn't get maybe the respect, not just from Ohio State, but from almost across the nation when he was uh, coming up and out uh, on the recruiting cycle, but especially Ohio State. What do you remember about that? I mean, I remember him camping in Columbus and him running a 4-3-2 at camp yeah. at Ohio State and fully expecting an offer to happen for him that day. Um, but Antoine, you know, was, uh, as you said, it's not like all the big boys around the country were knocking on his door. I mean, for whatever reason, uh, he didn't gain traction nationally. You would have thought that coming to campus at Ohio State and running a 4-3-2 and displaying the ball skills that he did, combined with his father's legacy at Ohio State and the fact that he was uh, obviously his father's son and a really great kid, um, yeah. you know, there was uh, – it, it was surprising. But, again, I mean, hell, Texas A&M, Texas, uh, you know, all these right. schools all these schools let him kind of walk. Um, it was surprising. As, tra- as far as Travis Kelsey goes, I mean, I think he was – like a 6'6", 250-pound tight end slash offensive tackle prospect coming out of out of high school in, uh, where is he, from Cleveland Heights or something? Yeah, I think, yeah. It, 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 he, he was certainly not a even a, a you know, high-level MAC prospect at the time. Cincinnati was uh, looking at guys and seeing – I would imagine that coming out of high school, he was projected as a, as a left tackle uh, coming out. I mean, seems to me like a little bit like Eric Fisher, those guys that – um, went to Mac schools and you think that they're, they're bigger tight ends. And so you figure you can make them into offensive linemen. That's what Mac schools are generally trying to do because they can't recruit true left tackles. Um, so they're trying to go out and find those tight ends that don't catch the football. Uh, and, uh, and then some guys just develop late, man. It's, it's pretty crazy, but he, yeah. he was never sniffed. He was never sniffed by Ohio State. Hell, they, let Jake, they let Jake you know, I, get out of Ohio. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jake, but I mean, still one of the great guys I've ever met, man. I, I like, uh, you know, what did he have a tough road to hoe <laughs> uh, staying for that extra year and suffering knee injury and then suffering another knee injury when he got to the NFL and stuff, uh, if I remember correctly. But, uh, but what's, what's interesting though, the reason I only bring it up is why not take a flyer on an Antoine Winfield Jr. Just based on legacy, based on video, uh, based on a four, three, two forty right in front of you. You know what I mean? Because we, I had, Sam Hubbard on my podcast last week, and we talked about the fact that he was this rangy, almost skinny looking safety, you know, at Moeller. And you know where he is now. He's playing defensive end in the National Football League was, uh, in my opinion, uh, he wasn't on the level of the Bosa's in terms of production or Chase Young, but he was pretty close, you know, at Ohio State. And uh, and he just kept growing and growing and growing, you know, and I just I did. I guess as a, I was, I was surprised that Ohio State didn't take a chance on Antoine Winfield Jr. when they didn't do it a long time ago, much less yesterday. You know what I mean? And uh, I just don't. I just never have gotten a uh, clear answer on why they didn't. Matt Finkus uh, claims to know the answer to that. I'm gonna maybe have him on next week. We'll talk about that. But uh, yeah, I but mean, it, it's, it's weird. It, it, it's weird. There's no indictment of Ohio. Ohio State's done a hell of a job recruiting. That's not the point. You know, it's not saying they don't know what they're doing. I just to me, that was just a strange one. It was never clear to me. 
Uh, it, it's not clear to me either. And, and uh, if you look at that class of 2016, when Antoine Winfield Jr. came out, it's not like the Buckeye. It's not like the class of 2017 where Ohio State right. had Jeff Okuda, Sean Wade, Marcus Williamson, and Isaiah Pryor, um, you know, all these other highly ranked guys. This was a class that had Jocelyn Wint, Rajay Burns, uh, Wayne Davis. Like none of these guys ended up developing into anything at Ohio State. Let me so, make a point. Let me make a point. They already were taking some flyers on a few guys. Maybe right. that's why they didn't. <laughs> that could that could be it. I mean, at that point, you, you're you're obviously projecting out a few guys. You look at size and how that plays out long term, and how you much you think. You know, there, there's one thing I've I've gleaned from Ohio State over the years is that if someone if they think someone's at their physical ceiling, that generally aren't as interested in them as someone that they think can keep developing. Uh, but yeah. yeah, watching that Super Bowl, it's crazy. You see. Antoine Winfield Jr., you see Jamel Dean, who Ohio State uh, believed could not play football uh, after he enrolled early and was on campus and was told he was going to have to be medically retired. Uh, Carlton Davis, uh, a former Ohio State uh, commitment at corner in the same class as Jamel Dean. They're watching that, uh, the Buccaneers Butter. secondary, like, wow, that could have been a, a little different world. Oh, yeah. How about Johnny Townsend, I think? Wasn't he the punter? Isn't he the punter for uh, – No, I think I that's remember. Tommy Townsend for the Chiefs. Oh. Oh, okay. I, I thought okay. the I same thing. I was, conf- I was confused, too, because the yeah. Chiefs, I mean, we haven't seen their punter this entire postseason. So when he came out to, for that first punt on Sunday, I was like, oh, is that Johnny Townsend, too? Because that was yeah, me, too. You know, yeah. I know. I had to look it up, too, but it was pretty funny because at first I thought it was. And I remember that whole signing day uh, situation uh, where he ends up finally going to Florida. Right. But uh, yep. it is what it is. Hey, man, that's what makes that's what makes this interesting. Now, before we uh, hang up here, Jeremy, is it? Uh, you know, recruiting definitely makes the world go around in college football. It decides how good you're going to be three years from now. Every every class you every class you sign decides how good, how much of an edge you're going to have. You know, and and this idea that it doesn't matter at all, like you get from some people. You know, like you know, in Wisconsin, I think it's doing better at recruiting than it's ever done. It's, you know, uh, but uh, but the bottom line is, if you're continually having to develop players, not just mentally and technically, but physically. You know, that takes a toll on the whole program and you'll see these ebbs and flows, you know, uh, you know, like, a, for example, I've used a, a great examples about like Minnesota in the past and uh, Northwestern has these ebbs and flows because they have these couple of classes they put together. But the development comes in the fourth or fifth year. These guys all come together. But Ohio State, uh, you know, they want to be competitive every year, number one. But number two, they have to stay on the edge in the recruiting realm. Because if this class comes together like you think it is, three years from now, these guys, most most of the good guys are going to be gone, right? Yep. I mean, I think teams like Northwestern, uh, Minnesota, et cetera, I, I view those as sort of like the Creightons of college basketball, okay? Because you know yeah. that they're not bringing in the highly ranked player every year. But what you're going to get is those guys all as seniors. You're going to get 25 seniors on a team. Uh, where a place like Ohio State, you might get the best players every year, but you're constantly changing player possessions because, you know, you're losing guys early, guys who will come in and expect to play, transfer, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. you're you're going to have teams that every couple of years, like you said, they're going to get way, way better because you're 22, 23-year-old men playing against the 18-year-olds of, of the world. Uh, and, and it's a little bit different. Um, but, I mean, here's an old adage that shouldn't surprise people. Now that we're back on the old adage, uh, conversation the best teams have the best players yeah so anyone who believes that recruiting isn't important shouldn't watch sports uh now now that mean doesn't mean you have to necessarily pay attention to it every single day if you're a fan of ohio state you can 
rightfully assume the Buckeyes are going to sign a top 10 recruiting class every single year and, and not spend your time in February caring about it. I mean, I totally understand that perspective if that's how you if that's what you want to do. But uh, the best teams have the best players every year. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, the interesting thing is, though, how quickly in this transfer portal era teams can fix themselves a little bit. Just Rutgers is a great example last season. Greg Ciano came in with a new attitude. Well, the same old attitude, but he brought it, you know, to a new set of players, but also brought in a bunch of guys in the recruiting portal. And that team, yeah, they didn't win it all and didn't come close, but that was a definitely better football team than it was a year before, right? No, without question. And, you know, it's changing when you talk about recruiting and, and the, the changing of the game, it's coming. I mean, there I read an article uh, on Monday morning that there were 400 less prep prospects signed uh, this yeah. 21 class than there were in the previous. And uh, if you're a college program and you're trying to quickly re rebuild, you don't do that by signing guys that need three or four years to develop. So you, you do it by by the transfer market and the free agent market that's coming in, in college football. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you certain you certainly seen a lot of teams, Miami, uh, Rutgers, uh, both definitely took big advantage of that. I expect Texas to be that kind of program this coming year. I think you're going to see Steve Sarkeesian make a number of moves um, to quickly shore things up uh, at Texas and you know, none of it will be done without any tampering. I'm sure. Yeah, everything is yeah. everything is on everything's on the up and up. Uh, nobody but, has conversations about kids uh, or with kids when they're not already in the portal. Well, his uncle said to his mother, said to the said to the kid, you know, blah blah blah. Hey, real quick, uh, I asked Ryan Day about this the other day, but there's kind of like a the number that you can have on scholarship this coming year, this 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 program year. It's sort of in flux, right? Because of the uh, uh, because of the ability of last year not counting against anybody. If in fact they want to go that way, but uh, how many how many scholarship guys you expect Ohio State to have on roster at the beginning well, of preseason camp? I mean, I believe the expectation is that anyone who would have completed their eligibility is able to return if they want to. So you can have that many guys over the eighty five. Uh, yeah. So it's going to change from team to team. Uh, that being the case at Ohio State. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of guys. I mean, we, we've obviously seen Thayer Munford returning um, and Marcus, Williams, Marcus, Marcus yeah. Williamson returning. But other than that, nobody else was going to be outside of their eligibility. Um, you know, I think that there's guys like uh, Elijah Gardner and Jalen Harris, who people always want to ask about. But those two, I, I think, are pretty much. I mean, Elijah Gardner, I didn't see him on the field. Jalen Harris at least traveled still with the Buckeyes this past year, and he was on the sideline. Elijah Gardner is not or was yeah. not. I don't know if I don't know if he opted out. The Buckeyes didn't really publicize those sort of things. Um, so I, I don't think that it's going to be a huge number. And to be quite honest, at a place like Ohio State, if if you're a fifth or sixth year guy and you're not playing, they they don't really care if you return. Yeah, so, that's why the I three mean, amigos were so remarkable. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean. Uh, Wow, you talk about parlaying into a fifth year. That was unbelievable. Hey, Jeremy Birmingham, uh, uh, wait a minute, Ron Jeremy Schapp, Birmingham, Alabama. Thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast, man. It's been a slice. All right, man. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week uh, with another episode of the Tim May Podcast, God willing, and the creeks don't rise. That's another cliche, uh, Jeremy. I've never heard that one. Yeah, but until then, this is Tim May for Jeremy Birmingham. We'll see you then.